I think knives are a good idea. Big, fuck-off shiny ones. Ones that look like they could skin a crocodile. Knives are good because they don't make any noise. And the less noise they make, the more likely we are to use them. Shit them right up. Makes it look like we're serious. Guns for show, knives for a pro. So, is there something we should know about you? I'm not sure what's more worrying. The job or your past. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. I'm a little horse today. A little horse? Mm. A little Sebastian? I reached over knowing that you would fire back with something. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Is that my finger was Did you get the, the reference? Is that the never ending story? No, Parks and Recreation. Out of, oh, out of the era. Oh, of course. What's the horse name in never ending story? I don't know. Bastion? Or is that maybe. the kid's name? Oh, maybe it is because maybe that's where it came from. References of references. Wow. We'll never know. Yeah. If only <laughs> there was some way we could find out easily. Like a Lugal but in real life. Mm. Oh. <laughs> don't even tease me. Yeah. Oh, man. How's your week been, Greg? Uh, it's been not bad. It's a good result, I'd yeah. say. How's yours been? I'm, I'm deep in the depths of rabbit holes of editing videos. Yeah, I thought you were going to look crazier when I arrived tonight. <laughs> You've spent a lot of time uh, developing. I don't feel like you're at a honing stage yet in the journey, right? No, I'm, I'm in a rabbit hole journey. Yeah. I said last week that like, oh, there'll be videos this week coming in and I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but? We're talking about the YouTube channel here, guys, the pop critic. Little During my unemployment summer of Tristan period. I've launched a spring. YouTube channel called It's Spring. Yeah, actually, it's not even summer yet. Yeah. YouTube channel called The Pop Critic. There is some double impact content on there, but I'm working on original content. But then as I make it, every little decision I realize is a big rabbit hole. Like, oh, what's the look and feel? What's the mm. brand? Oh, if mm. I'm going to put music here, what music is it? And then actually, I want to do that. But how do I do that? I don't know how to edit videos properly yet. So there's a lot of that going on. That sounds t- not only time consuming, but mentally draining. Oh, and sp- and recording yourself on video and then seeing how you look. Yeah, next level. It's worse than hearing yourself. Yeah. I actually feel more confident in my voice now after seeing how I look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why are my eyes you're, so sad, Greg? You're, you're coming along <laughs> in leaps and bounds. There's, there's, there's been there's, progress. It's night and day. I got the trailer up there. Yeah. I got the trailer up there, yeah. It'll, it'll come. But we let's get some organic traffic to that site, people. Get on there, the pop critic at YouTube. Friends of the channel. Friends of the channel. Um, you know, it's, it's an ecosystem of content here, Double Impact, the pop mm-hmm, critic, mm-hmm. other various things, Greg on the radio. It's going to be more of that coming, I think, right? I believe so. Yeah. That was the plan. Yeah. Um, once uh, the host was back from her holiday. So we'll see how we go there. Christine Arnu. Christine Arnu. My island home. My island home. What was the one you had stuck in your head? Sunshine on a Sunshine rainy day. Sunshine on a rainy day on my island home. Yeah. Yeah. All positive vibes. Great Christine. songs, great person, great host, potentially soon to be joined by Greg Carney. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of things going on there. We it also is. watched a movie this week. We did. Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrel. Mm. I appreciate saying the full. Mm. I'm not a fan of abbreviations. Are you not? Especially not acronyms. Not into brevity, the yeah. whole brevity thing. 
Um, we're talking about lock stock I'm and sure two smoking barrels. There you go. You can say lock stock. It's okay. okay. We're at a uh, two-hour episode. 1998 was the year, so we're, yeah. we're pushing towards the end of our sort of you know self-imposed time frame. Yeah. Uh, of the 80s and 90s. Mm. Uh, 1998. I was in year 11. You would have been in year nine. Yeah. True. Um, you mentioned. Lugal earlier, well, yeah. a similar company, Google, was actually founded in that year. I'm not talking now. I believe so. I'm not talking about that today, though. Mm. Now, this isn't the best sort of member burial that I'll give you. Okay. I, for 1998, um, I stumbled across the fact that uh, 1998 was the only year that Adam Sandler. Well, it was the year that Adam Sandler produced his only comedy film that has a fresh, certified fresh rating on Rotten <laughs> Tomatoes. The only one. Happy Gilmore. Well, this is this is where it sort of comes undone because upon research, Happy Gilmore, I believe, also has a certified fresh at 61. Uh-huh. But this article suggested that the only time it happened was 1998. The Wedding Singer. Maybe the most fresh? Wedding Singer, 68%. Happy Gilmore was 61%. Okay. So is that still maybe, certified maybe fresh? Maybe it's just the freshest. Mm. Yeah. But if you go and look at the others, then it is a pretty um, – well, you've got Grown Ups, 38%, Jack and Jill, 3%, Waterboy, 38 Big Is Daddy, 39 the... Ridiculous 6, 0 Wow. He's a real Guy Ritchie with some of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the claws are out. Don't get me wrong. This is not going to be an anti-Guy Ritchie thing. He does. He doesn't do well on the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, he's not a friend of the tomato. Um, the great Adam Sandler does index a lot more strongly when he does his sort of, you know, quasi-genre. Serious Things. Yeah. Sometimes he grows a moustache. Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. That's like a 92 or something. Punch Drunk Love. Yep. Funny People. That's a good one. He, he plays a good or awkward guy. Mm. Did you watch the um the Halloween one? I forget what it's called. Hoolies? Hoolies? No. I heard it was like the, the one that's going to be good and I didn't like it. Oh, okay. I like him. I do like him. And I feel like he's coming back into fashion. Like he's always been very successful but he's coming back into fashion – on, he's on trend a bit more now. I'm seeing, you know, more pictures of him. People are embracing his ability to play basketball and the fact that he wears very baggy clothing. is Yeah, he's really like legit dad wear. Mm. Like He wears so whatever than, he wants. Yeah. and He's probably very comfortable. I've kind of had a – so on Blank Check with Griffin and David, a, a show that is uh, pretty bloody good, a podcast that's pretty bloody good, they, they were doing – I can't remember what movie it was, but they went off on this massive tangent with – guests who are also comedians, Jason Manzoukas and Paul Shear, about Adam Sandler and about comedy and about the state of comedy and how there's like this issue where it's seen as better if a actor that's known for comedy does serious roles a la Adam Sandler mm. in Uncut Gems and how that's like making it mm. and that how that's all wrong and actually comedy is its own form of art and they're actually saying, fuck, at least Adam Sandler is still making comedies and you may not like them, yeah. but his dedication to not just make, he can do it. He can make Uncut Gems. He can make 10 more of those. But he keeps coming back to these to things. Jack and Jill. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, at least he's, he's keeping the dream alive. He's keeping the genre alive. Maybe it's not the best example of the genre, but it's, he's using his power to make those movies. Yeah, and he, I think I read some, well, you might have even told me how he's like, no, no, I, I really like those movies I make. I think he does genuinely like I them. think they're awesome. Jack and Jill is hilarious. So that's funny too because I always thought that he's just been a businessman mm. for the longest time. But, yeah, I think you're right. Like he's, he can make whatever he wants and he chooses. Because on Netflix, box office doesn't matter. Mm. It's got to 
well, it was a four-picture deal. It's probably an infinite picture deal now because mm. that's the other thing too. They do well. They're the most watched movies. Yeah. But yeah, like that's that's the ultimate, I guess, open brief to make whatever the fuck you want when you've got a mm. Netflix deal like that. And he's making those. So yes. I mean, for me, he's a lot like Sting. Yeah. I don't listen to a lot of his music, but the fact that he's putting it out there. I respect that. I respect that. So that's my relationship. So 98, big 98. year for Adam Sandler. Massive year for Adam Sandler. Big year for movies too. Non-Sandler movies. Big year for non-Sandler movies in particular. I'm curious to hear this one actually. I haven't, yeah, we haven't, I haven't done it much. I think yeah. we've done it once. We did something about Mary this year, but I don't think we've done anything else from this year because this is the year of Armageddon. That was the number one movie of 1998. It's the year of Saving Ryan's Privates. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the year of Godzilla. It's also the year of Something About Mary, which we've covered before. A Bug's Life, Deep Impact, Mulan, Dr. Doolittle. Mm. Lethal Weapon 4. This is a shit top ten, by the way, I'm calling it now. But compared to some Maybe of the others. Maybe it hasn't been long enough for us to know, but I, oh, I tend to agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by that. Yeah, I agree. Now, I couldn't quite track down where Lockstock and <laughs> Two Smoking Barrels fell in because it was released in 98 in the UK and other places, but then in 99 in the US or something. So it's like overlapping years. But if I was to approximate in 1998, it would fall into number 81. Lockstock and two smoking barrels. So it came out in August of 1998, a budget of $1.35 million or 800 pounds or 800,000 so. quid. 800 pounds. Yeah, 800,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 800 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> the pound is strong, but it's not that strong. Yeah. <laughs> the pound is strong. <laughs> it grossed $28.1 million. Run Tomato scores, uh, critic score of 75%, audience score of 93%. Yep. I thought critic might be higher, but. That's it's a good score. Um, great audience score. Yeah. Yeah. This is a popular movie. Was it it was popular for young Greg? Big time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't remember my first viewing, but it certainly was a big movie. It's probably off riding off the riding off the back of pop fiction for me as well, in that same sort of it's new style of movie. Is this film student Greg? Yeah, if there's such a thing. <laughs> um you know, I probably wouldn't have seen Pulp Fiction that long before this, actually, because I definitely it all kind of happens that. at once. Yeah, you realize that there's movies beyond. Yeah, it's like when you discover the Beatles or something. <laughs> uh, what now? But oh uh, yeah, the, like the witty dialogue, the, you know, the sharp talking, the gangsters generally were cool. But yeah, yeah, the characters were pretty revolutionary for a post-pubescent yeah male and the banter. Banter, like Vinnie Jones, oh, my God. That Man, guy, seeing I, him for the first time was like. I was obsessed with him briefly. Briefly. <laughs> yeah. He was the man. Yeah. Uh, Jason Statham obviously was super cool as well. Yeah, Jason Statham was an interesting one. I obviously kn- knew he was in this, but I kind of forgot. he was, Like I don't associate him with this movie that much. That's interesting. I Well, he's had such a career since. I yeah. That's fair. And he was time, definitely, he, he was he, a standout for me in this movie when I was young. Ah, uh, he wasn't when I was young. Now he kind of is. Yeah. But maybe I'm just. Well, he obviously has the X, the X factor, you know. Like yeah, he, he really does. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get into all that. But yeah, I had, I had similar experience. This was this was definitely in Where, the. This is true, film student Tristan, Film right? student Tristan, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking this this is almost like I probably watched this and Reservoir Dogs and Two Hands on the same weekend or something. You know, like they, they all go together pretty <laughs> What a well. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good weekend. It's a great and weekend. And a bit like Two Hands, this was a bit of a rebrand of, of 
English pictures for me. Yeah. Because I, like my mum watched EastEnders and shit and I just yeah. hated it and I just never thought it was cool. Yeah. No offence to any of the uh, the 13% over yeah. in the UK. But so f- I just. It's a fair generalisation. It just was, to me, the content that I was seeing at least, I was ignorant, I was stupid, but I was just, the stuff that I was seeing was just boring soaps and I was like, oh, it's so lame. Mm, and and, and lame. Press Gang, funny enough, so Spike and Press Gang is in this as soap. I, I wasn't a soap. Press Gang guy. I wasn't, I hated it. You know those shows when you were a kid you watched but you hated them just because there's nothing else on? Was that an ABC show? Yeah. I feel like it's the one time I changed the channel. I or I'd be it. waiting for it to finish so I could just watch Danger yeah, Mouse. Maybe there was something else on after it. Yeah, that's a good point. You remember there was there was a crappy show, then there was like the four three-minute shows like Danger Mouse, Roger Ramjet, Eric yeah, the Banana yeah, yeah. Man. The power of ten women. <laughs> ten women? <laughs> Didn't Eric eat a banana he had the power of ten women? I don't know if it was ten women. Is that what it was? Let that's hilarious. I think it is. Hang on. This is 29 Acacia Road and this is Eric, the schoolboy who leads an amazing double life. For when Eric eats a banana, an amazing transformation occurs. Eric is Banana Man, ever alert for the call to action. It doesn't say anything about the power of ten women. No, that's interesting. Have I made that up? <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> Friends of the show, help me out. It is. Our 13% or Aussies, whoever else had watched this. But you're right, it was clustered up in those things because mm. Roger Danger Ramjet, Mouse. which in hindsight, Roger Ramjet looks like it must have been from the 50s or something. Why did it look like that? Yeah, I believe it's old. Wow, we did real struggling for content back then. I loved it though. We had no choice. So he was in the press gang, huh? So he was in the press gang. You know, they there was a very boring show about making a high school newspaper yeah. called the Junior Gazette. Anyway, needless to say, that literally seeing the transformation from something like Press Gang into this where it even had the same actor, I was like, I had you all wrong. Mm. This is, I'm into this. And I, then I went all in on the, the London gangster scene yeah. stuff. I don't know if you remember if Game of Greg was around then, but there was a game that came out in 2002 called The Getaway. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember of it. Yeah, it was basically like GTA but set in London and it was a – 100% accurate recreation of London. Oh. Yeah, but with shitty PlayStation 2. So. Mm. And um, I'll play the trailer because it borrows heavily from the tone of this film, but this is just to give a sense of how into it I was at the time. It was very trendy. It was very trendy, wasn't it? Very trendy. I think he's with us again. Morning, sunshine. Good to see you again. Sleep well. Where's my son, you fat bastard? All in good time. If you don't tell me where my son is, you better kill me now. Stop talking and start listening, Hammond. You're in no position to making demands. Because we're going to play a little game. Eyebrows, give me the phone. I ring you, you do the job. I do what I tell you, the kid dies. I do where I tell you, the kid dies. I do when I tell you, the kid dies. You get in my drift. You get the idea. In fact, you're going to have to work very hard to stay alive, Nick. Ah, see, I've put a lot of pressure on Greg to do accents in this one and that was good. You get your first. I was very disappointed to see Vinnie Jones wasn't bullet-tooth Tony in this one because <laughs> that's my… <laughs> the Desert Eagle that's my, replica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my, that's my go-to impression for him. You know, that guy's like, what do I call you, Tony or a bullet or you can call me Susan if it makes you happy. Nice. That's all I got. <laughs> it's good. 
Yeah, I can only mimic. Then if I start riffing, I drift into all these different accents. Yeah. It's this subtle art of different London accents, right? Yeah, well, or there's London, also... Or just the UK. I don't, yeah, I don't totally understand some, the ecosystem. I'll give you an overview at some point. Yeah, like. okay. I've got a pin board and some red string. You can yeah, tell we'll, me all we'll, about we'll, it. We'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. go Charlie Day on it. You got yourself a flat brim? Did you have a little flat brim? Uh, probably not. I think I was more intrigued on an arts level, but then from a street level, I was still very much probably more US influenced. Mm. Yeah. And then I kind of, a bit similar to Tarantino... I kind of turned off it altogether. I kind of got a bit over it now. I thought yeah. it's a bit lame. Mm. Maybe because of some of the subsequent movies and whatnot. But I haven't watched this movie in a long time yeah. or hadn't mm. until this week. Mm-hmm, so it was mm-hmm. it was a pretty pure rewatch because yeah. I kind of just, not consciously, I just kind of drifted away from it. I was excited to rewatch it though. Before that, how about I get into the origin story? I think you should tell us about the origin story. Origin story. So obviously this is a, this is a Guy Ritchie film. It's written by Guy Ritchie. It's directed by Guy Ritchie. But it took a lot of people to get this thing made. It was his breakout hit. It was his first movie. Yeah. So a lot of this origin story, you know, is rooted back in his <laughs> his actual life. Rooted. Rooted, yeah. Pretty funny. He He's one of those guys, a bit like a Tarantino, with no formal background. Did he also work in a video store? He did not. Oh. But he, but he left school when he was 15. Mm-hmm. He was expelled, actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe for drugs. It was unclear. Yeah. And then there's this ten year gap that he's never really spoken about that I can tell. Yeah, right. Because he got expelled at fifteen. He left school at fifteen, and then at twenty five, he got a job as a runner on a film mm. set or whatever, like you know, making teas and whatnot. But I like to imagine he's maybe you know doing some underground gambling, maybe dealing in antique shotguns. I don't know. Because maybe the stuff he was doing went on to inspire this film. Maybe he's, he's never explicitly said that, but I would say he's been exposed to un, some to some unsavory characters over the years mm-hmm. in those fifteen to twenty five years of his life. Um, mm. So the age of twenty five, he's he's in the biz, but very very entry level stuff. Like I said, he's making teas and whatnot. Um, but he eventually gets into making TV commercials. You music sound like videos. the cab driver out of Ailes, 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 out of. Uh, Eels up inside ya, find an entrance where they get eels. Eels. Marty Boosh for those Marty Boosh, friends yeah. of the show, unfamiliar. I'd like to see the Boosh version of this movie. <laughs> I'd like to see the Boosh version of anything. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 1995, he would make a short film. I think at this point he was close to 30, maybe 27 or something. I don't know. Yep. And – um. He made a short film called The Hard Case, which was very much a precursor to Lockstock, like quite literally. Imagine if it's just the poker scene. Yeah. You got yourself The Hard Case. His little, I guess it's sort of a trailer. A trailer for a short film seems redundant, but. Hello, Jack. Can I help you? No, I want to buy a case. It'll be a metal colour. Of course, I've been making a few quid out of some gambling houses around London. It's been decided that Joe. One with eyes that's come back from all day shirt on has got what it takes to turn a profit. Got anything I'd be interested in? Cars are dealt. You'll know the rules. So let's have no disputes. Joe's blink big time now, is he? Well, he might have a few problems with these fellas because they play for real money. That's what he's banking on. Cars are good. The skullduggery puts a car wash in any dessert celebration. The game's over, but the night ain't. These lads don't take losing lightly. Piss off, Vic. Oi! 
pretty boy. Likes uh, Iggy Pop. I was at Iggy Pop. It's a blind spot for me. Yeah, well, needless to say, I think he, he eventually got a better sound guy. But you can see some 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 common DNA there. Oh, yeah. Now, this movie gets a bit of attention, this short film. Um, it gets the attention of a few key people, the first being um, producer and financier Trudy Styler. Ah. Now, you may also know her as the wife of Sting. Wow. So I guess that's why he's in the movie. <laughs> The Sting. The Sting, yeah. She's Mrs. Sting. Sting. Mrs. Sting. Or he's Mr. Trudy. She's a pretty big deal. So I learnt. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's fairly legit, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty big time. Pretty pivotal in this little story, you might say. Absolutely. So she she backed it. She invested in it, but she didn't finance the whole thing. Yeah. They would, there was a lot of dramas chasing money, but she was into it. She believed in the guy essentially. She liked the script. But, you know, she was taking a gamble. She was definitely in the Richie business. I took a look at the script that night. Well, it wasn't an easy read. It was a very long, rambling um, screenplay with, you know, terrible typos and really poorly presented. And, uh, and I remember making lists of all the characters and thinking, what am I doing? It's like 1.30 in the morning now and I'm trying to sort out who these groups of people are. But once I'd done that and I started to really immerse myself in it, I noticed that I was laughing rather a lot. It's all very well reading a, a fresh screenplay. That's always a big plus. But, you know, you have no idea if the director can acquit himself putting his movie up on the screen as well as he can writing it on the page. It's pretty massive because often mm. these guys will, their first script, someone else will make it. Like mm-hmm. in Tarantino, true romance. Yeah. Um, others, <laughs> I'm forgetting right a, now. There's a process. There's a bunch. Yeah, so it's like, okay, you got that, Matt. You, you work your way up. But to, to go from a short film, well, from the age of 25, I think when he was doing the press tour for this, which would have been a year later, he's already, he's only 30. So when he's doing this shit, he's like 28 or something. So to go from short film, having only started as a runner at the age of 25, to be able to direct your own feature, mm. it's pretty bloody massive. Yeah, he was making the movie that, England needed. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I felt that way, but I wasn't sure if I was just being ignorant. No, no, not at all. I think oh, – keep going, sorry. No, no, that's – well, we could probably talk about it more, I guess. Now, the second person, this is where it gets very interesting. I saw his name in the credits, which would have meant nothing to me back in 1998, but now it means something. If you notice in the credits it yeah, says Matthew, produced by Matthew Vaughan. Vaughan. So oh, he, Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> so he was a relatively small-time producer at the time. He also – backed Guy Ritchie at this point. I think, I don't, I'm not sure how they met, but they met around this time. These he, are, yeah, they're good mates, I understand, they're good going mates. into this yeah, project. He, yeah, and he would go on to produce Snatch and a few other Guy Ritchie projects. And it now explains why you see a bit of like the same actors in a lot of the projects across yeah. the two. Yeah. And you realise, oh, there's like a community there I didn't know existed. Yeah. I never saw that connection before. Um, but obviously he went on to do like Kick-Ass, Layer Cake, Kingsman. He's having a good time. He's married to Claudia Schiffer. He's married to Claudia <laughs> Schiffer. Yeah, I got more on that later because I kind of, well, I got more on that later. It's interesting. <laughs> Not on that specifically, but just on on um, Matthew Vaughan. Man, killing it. Um, his, dad, this, his dad was like some proper nobleman or something. Well, that's the other thing. His dad was, his dad on paper was an actor named something Vaughn yeah. who was 
in the TV show or movie called The Man from Uncle. Yeah. Which Guy Ritchie would go on to turn into a movie. Yeah. But then also it turned out to not be his real dad and his real dad was some kind of nobleman that was a descendant of King George the King, first or something yeah. or the sixth or some some um, Roman numeral. Of the something. Yeah. Yeah. Of significance. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. There's some weird entanglement happening there that I We're gonna need a lot of red pick. string. Yeah, we're gonna need a lot of red string. Now they secured some funds, but it was a bit of a shit show. The budget was going up, it was going down, people were pulling out. Yeah. At some point it was a budget of $20 million for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. And then they're like, no, no, it's his first film. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, they ended up where they ended up, they ended up with $1.8 million. Uh, no, what was it? Was it 1.8? Uh, let's talk in Quidditch. <laughs> in Quidditch it was 800,000 800, pounds. 800 sterling. <laughs> oh, sterling. But basically it took a few years to get this thing moving. Apparently even later on a similar thing happened with distribution in the US. They couldn't get anyone on board and Tom Cruise helped it happen or something by like acting interested in front of the important yeah, people. Yeah, did you hear that that came about? No. It was Mrs. Sting. Oh, right. She talks about it in that thing. So basically she says, uh, Tom Cruise happened to be a good friend of mine, fortunately for me. Um, he was spending six months living in one of my properties while he was filming a movie right. nearby. So it was. I think it sounded like a favour for a favour. She was like, oh, I'd really like it if you could go down to this screening. He's like, oh, I can't get a screening. Come on. Yeah. She's like, please. He's like, just send us the thing. She's like, no, no, I want you to be there. He's like, all right. So he rocked up. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. Anyone that doesn't buy this movie is crazy. <laughs> He's jumping on the <laughs> jumping up and down on the cinema chairs. I love Lockstock, <laughs> which helps, I believe. It does help grease the wheels of Hollywood. Yeah, grease those wheels, Tom. Um, they got a cinematographer by the name of Tim Morris. Morris. <laughs> Tim Morris Jones. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Maurice. It's it's an English film. There's going to be some double-barrel names. You should have been prepped. Tim Morris Jones, who done a lot of music videos, and and they talk about how, you know, this it kind of looks like a music video and there's definitely something that kind of hits you in the face watching it now. I think at the time I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it's so stylized, cool, and now I was like, oh, okay, yeah, what's a lot going on here? Yeah. Um, But essentially they got this dream team together. you got the Trudy Styler, you got the Matthew Vaughan's, um, but the dream team wasn't quite complete yet because you need the cast. And I'm not going to yes. go deep into the cast here because I'm sure we'll talk about it in the rewatch, but just one to call out because I think it's important and maybe symbolic of the whole casting process altogether. Jason Statham uh, was was pretty bloody key to this. Mm-hmm. He was uh, – we've got more on him later, of course, but I, when we're first introduced to him in this movie and he's, he's doing the, all right, it was long, as long as my arm, wish it was along with something else. He's doing all that stuff. Um, Left foot, one foot in front of the other. Left, right. It's called walking. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Something like that. Something like that. And he used to do that. He used to sell fake jewellery and perfume on the street. Whilst being a French Connection model and an Olympic diver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's an interesting life. Yeah. Which I have a bit more on later. But then apparently he met Guy Ritchie around this time through a friend of theirs, Vinnie Jones. Now, I'd always heard this, but I never was sure if it was a real story, but I found a clip of him talking about it. Good. You, you had an unlikely road to, to Hollywood. You started off as a, what was it, a jewellery salesperson? Yeah, I used to sell uh, fake perfume and jewellery on the street corners, yeah. Did, did you, you tell really? people it was fake or did Absolutely you, were you hustling not. them? I was hustling, yes. <laughs> okay. All righty. So then how did you go from that to the big screen? Um, well, it was, Guy Ritchie uh, made a film called Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That was a mm-hmm. big hit for him. About mm-hmm. ten years ago now. Mm-hmm. And he was 
casting people from the street. He was looking for fresh faces. A good friend of mine, Vinnie Jones, was an ex-soccer player. He got in the movie, and then Lenny McLean was a bare-knuckle boxer. Mm -hmm. So he was just looking for these, uh, you know, interesting, sort of authentic kind of guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, what kind you of hang out with a tough crowd, don't you? <laughs> uh, on a Friday, yeah. <laughs> uh, it must be torture doing those shows. Oh, I think he wouldn't mind it. I would hate it. He yeah, just goes on there. And <laughs> I think he'd be fine in that environment. Yeah. A couple of like straight-laced white American women pining over this. Flushed. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's this exotic. Yeah, I heard divers have the best bodies. They say later in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, needless to say, I was happy to see a, a Hollywood urban legend confined. Yeah. Um, but that really does speak to the casting process overall. Apparently of the 44 people with speaking roles, 17 had never acted before. So we'll unpack a few of those a bit later. But What's that as a percentage? I don't know. 46%? 17 44th. 41%. Is it? I don't know. Maybe it I'm is. Guessing. There's no way of knowing this. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Uh, anyway, they shoot the thing initially with a different ending. It doesn't make any bloody sense because initially the ending was a bit more ambiguous. Yeah, so shit. Okay, so yeah, you read this too? I've heard it in that uh, docker. Oh, oh did they, do it they in talk that about docker? it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it initially ended with them carrying the money away and Vinnie Jones following them like, oh, they're probably going to get it, I guess. Yeah. But I can't see where that would be because the, the ending ending made perfect sense based on the guns and everything. Like that's, Oh, it's so much tighter. Because I kind of forgot most of it and we'll get into it. But like in watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, the guns will be the – perfect payoff for them not knowing they had something valuable that makes like why would you not have that as the original yeah. ending that's so weird yeah it's a great ending it's the ending they always should have had yeah it's so weird it's so weird yeah well it's ended up it was all for the best yeah bish bash bosh it goes off a movie bish bash bosh rap party at where rap party down the old vic spearmint rhinos down it <laughs> you make that up spearmint rhinos no Never heard? No, what's that? Yeah, you can Google it. Oh, it sounds like I shouldn't. It's what's just the, a, wait, what's it's the a, Samoan Joes? <laughs> you could fall in love with orangutan in there. <laughs> I like how they're all very gruff. <laughs> you could fall in love with orangutan in there. <laughs> well, that was, that was uh, Jason saying. Oh, yeah, he is why. quite gruff. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no more. All right, let's play the trailer. If you can't see value here today... You're not up here shopping. You're up here shoplifting. Bacon. Did you say ten pounds? That's a bargain. I'll take one. Eddie. You too. Join me in my office. Fat man. Oi! Soap. Four friends. That's my twenty-five grand. With a money-making scheme. You sure you can afford twenty-five? I can afford it as long as I see it again. That's quick. You play cards tonight, son. With Harry. Easy. Oh, that'd be silly, Dad. And very expensive. I'll see you for half a million. Alright, don't panic. All young fellas got in deep with the naked handle. I am panicking. Owe me half a million pounds. I'm gonna give you one week to find it. Let me tell you about that, you Harry. If Harry don't kill you, ah! then your father will. I've got a plan. How many are these fellas? Shit! We'll hit them as soon as they come back. We'll be prepared, waiting. We're on. Nice for a crime. God knows how much of this stinking weight. Is this a declaration of war? Mm -hmm. A shitload of cash. Everyone's responsible for this. Told you. And a traffic order. 
Not a bad trailer. Mm. Quite visual though. Yeah. I don't know if you're listening to that, if you could really understand the, the, what actually went down in this movie. So perhaps you could help. Okay. Maybe, maybe with an accent. Chris, Tristan has requested I do this in a bad English accent. I requested a good one. I don't, I'm, un, I'm <laughs> incapable of a good one. So please don't good, take to my beloved 13% of quasi-countrymen. <laughs> uh, please don't take this the wrong way. Eddie, a young card shark, drags three of his mates for 25 large of their hard-earned to float him for 100 large in a three-card brag run by Pawn King, Atchet Ari. Ari is as crooked as a dog's iron leg. (laughs) Eddie loses all the money and leaves the game with half a mil debt to Ari, payable in a week, or at which point Barry the Baptist will acquire a digit from each of their hands for each day it is late. The following seven days, a series of misadventure involving northern monkeys... Southern fairies. <laughs> An unconscious parking cop. Copious amounts of ganja and a semi-conscious Gloria. Oh. It's also a love story between a man and a couple of antique rifles. See, that was nicely done, man. Because that's the thing. See, I all the different accents, I just I just mix them all together. Northern fairies. Northern no. Southern fairies. Southern fairies. So those two guys are from Liverpool. Yeah, right. So Liverpool's in the north. The Beatles. Where the Beatles are from, the yeah. port town of Liverpool. Ooh, help us, help us. How was the rewatch for you? Uh, it was emotional. <laughs> it's been emotional. It's yeah. one, of my, one of my preferred lines in the film. Good. There's a lot of lines in this one. Oh, it's for all the lines. I uh, felt somewhat inadequate in not remembering a lot of them. There is I still a lot. don't. There's a lot. There's a lot. They're hard to remember. I wanted to just kind of... Put it on in the background again today just to like Osmosis get it in there. Do, yeah, because yeah, it's – I did watch it a lot back in the day but I haven't watched it since. Yeah. I've missed it. There's so much gold in there that I just There's wish I could remember. But, yeah, continue. Yeah, it, it was a – yeah, it was a nostalgic rewatch. Yeah. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Like catching up with some old friends that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. You know, obviously a lot of them have seen in many shapes since then. Yeah. Forms. And but, shapes. Yeah. But – um. <laughs> Scarves. Ultimately, it was yeah, it was nostalgic. I think would be the if I was to sum it up in a word. Yeah, it was interesting. I think if I was being from a critical standpoint, I felt it was a bit overstylized in like watching it now, and that's dated a little bit. But I still loved it. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's such a time capsule in a way of such a poignant film. And Um, I think because you know that, I mean. Even before doing the research, you broadly know the backstory behind it. It's his first film, shoestring budget. The the potential over stylization of it and the, the sort of student filmy nature of it, it just adds to that narrative of like it's hustle, it's all hustle. They just mm. made it, they just mm. did it, and it was like a bit like Reservoir Dogs. Like it's it's probably not Tarantino's best film, but there's something about that in knowing that it's like, how did he get Harvey Keitel? And like, I don't know, yeah. there's something about. But maybe this is his best film. I don't know. Well, for him, this is interesting because it's, yeah, potentially a different scenario. No disrespect him, to it? a man that's obviously had a lot more success in film and arguably life than I have. Yeah. But um, this is probably my preferred Guy Ritchie movie. It, it is for me too and I wasn't sure if it would be because so going into the rewatch I was a little bit worried. Yeah. Because I was like, because uh, I did – I had flashes of that. I'm like, am really? I just going to cringe at like, it's a bit like the opposite of like, you know, is it like peas? I, li- I hated peas when I was getting love <laughs> peas. It's the opposite. I don't have an opposite now. 
Um, ice cream soup. Is it like ice cream soup? Delicious when you're a kid, but yeah. a bit sickly as an adult. Mm, yeah, there you go. Good. I'm <laughs> glad it, you found that. Is it a bit much? Yeah. Um, but Those it was jello it. cubes. Jelly cubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, is it the Pizza Hut dessert bar all over again? <laughs> um, but it wasn't. It, I mean, it was in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> I was here for it. Um, it, it. I enjoyed all of that stuff. And if you're going to nitpick, you could say, yeah, I mean, it's a bit much of this, a bit much of that. But I don't know. I, I just it was highly I enjoyable. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, wouldn't change any of it. I wouldn't change any of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually had to watch it about one and a half times because I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> I watched one and a half times too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm ashamed to say I didn't totally understand it the first time. I think I was overconfident in my recollection of the movie and I, I was about three quarters of the way in and I'm like, wait, huh? What? Wait, what? And so I, I finished it but I was like, I just got to watch that again because I yeah. I. I totally overlooked something. And I think part of it, I like to say that it maybe it's the sepia tone, it homogenizes everything, but it's probably also because I'm an idiot. It's probably a bit of both. Oh, it's the it's the sepia homogenization. <laughs> Don't worry. So the the main part for me was at the end, the shootout at the end, I didn't realize that was their apartment. I was like, why are they all there? And when I, as soon as I rewatched it in the first scene, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. That, yeah. That's the apartment. That's where they that, live. That makes perfect one sense. Of them at least. So I think I was probably multitasking with a. I think I did the same. Of like is, overconfidence of I know this movie. I don't need to see all the details, mm. which is stupid. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we have a duty. Yeah. To report a duty. A duty. I had quite a duty today. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about your bowels. <laughs> I had a colonoscopy yesterday, people, and a and an endoscopy. I had an old spit roast. Spit roast. Yeah, they they did things to me that I'm, I'll never know about because I was out cold. Maybe they filmed it. Well, there's, they did put a camera in there. I got pictures. Should I put it on the gram? <laughs> yes. All right. Sepia tone. Sepia tone. It's naturally sepia tone. <laughs> <laughs> All brown error thing. <laughs> anyway, enough about my insides. Um, it also made me realise that, you know, we gave Go a really hard time for copying the, sort of the non-linear oh. Tarantino styles, but it just as much copied well, wait, what year was it? Go also ripped out for fucking, they chucked a in lot the, of this. ripped out the token Brit, like, uh, geezer. Yeah. And also just like a few ordinary people falling into a complex situation with criminal types. Yeah. There's a lot going on here, but in hindsight, maybe it was the same year, so maybe it was more like a Bugs Life ants situation. Uh, they definitely pulled, because why would you have the, the sharp-talking English guy? Yeah, that Tantra, would, baby. Uh, Mistletoe? Uh, yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Thank God for William Fitchner. I keep saying it. Yeah, Willie Fick. Willie Fick's good. Um, and I just love the vast, I love the, the, the world building here and the, the, this whole ecosystem of these characters and they're all quite different. Well, I just said they're all kind of the same. I think the main guys are kind of the same. But in terms of the broader group and you've yeah. got Nick the Greek and, and you've got Vinnie Jones, he's almost like the Omar from The Wire of this movie. Yeah. A little bit. It's just He's just kind of the guy. Everyone knows him. He's coming. Everyone knows him. Everyone's scared of him. He sort of works for that guy, but he's sort of a free agent. Mm. Not a great dad, but um, well, depends. I don't know if you take your kid out because then you got they got leverage. That's your kid. Oh yeah, they know your kid. If they know how to get to you, see that's not good. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I thought about that. Would you raise it with him? (laughs) No. Um, but I also really liked, and I got this more in the in the second one and a half watch. The fact that when you when you look at each character, they all have their moments of being a bit of a tough guy in one scene, but in another scene, a different scenario, different characters, they're kind of the dork. Mm. Like especially the main guys. So in some scenes, they act kind of tough. 
um, you know, buying guns from Nick the Greek or whatever. Like, yeah. And then in other scenes they're pussies basically. But then you see that with other people too, like Nick the Greek, he's the tough guy to one of our main guys, but when then he's seen the yeah. Simone, no, not the Simone guy, the guy that owns the Simone bar, he's like all shy and stuff. Like yeah. pretty much every character has some of those moments, which I thought was it's quite interesting. It's the food chain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of this thing of, I don't know, alpha male masculinity thing of well, there's different, different contexts. There's always someone harder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except for Barry. Yeah. Barry, the governor. 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 Should we talk about him? Why not? Yeah, let's get into him. He's an interesting character. So he at the in the end credits, it was dedicated to him. It was. So he died, I guess. Lenny McLean, yeah, he so he died just before it came out. So obviously Fuck. filmed the whole thing. I didn't know when I first saw it, but he and I think you'd probably know the, the British contingent would have probably known this guy before yeah. watching the movie because Seems that way. Yeah, he was a unlicensed boxer. So apparently uh. he couldn't get a boxing license because he had, had too many indiscretions against his name. Right. Um, so it's like an English Danny Trejo or something. Uh, I think. Well, from a boxing standpoint, he might have been a little bit beyond that. Oh, really? He was, I think, fairly widely regarded as the unofficial heavyweight champ of Great Britain. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. see, I don't know any of this shit. Yeah, he wow, was. Okay, he estimated he had. So they had. You had boxing, obviously. You know your sanctioned boxing bouts that we all know and love. Yeah, but they also had unlicensed boxing. It wasn't illegal. It just wasn't official. Yeah. So you'd still be able to do it. Oh, um, but you just wouldn't get the official. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, you still, yeah. they'd do it out of East London and there'd still be thousands of people there. Right. Um, and he, yeah, he just worked over many opponents in that. And, but he was also involved in the underworld. So he was um, pretty well connected. You know, like the, cra- have you heard of the Craigs? No. Ronnie and Reggie Craig. Cray. Craig. <laughs> no. The Craigs. It's the Craigs. Uh, you've never heard of them? No. In the US they got the Craigs, I think. The Cra- they do. <laughs> yeah. The Craigs are like the most famous English gangsters ever, basically. Wow, okay. So they were around in the 50s and 60s, twin brothers, notorious evil gangsters. But yeah. they were celebrities as well. So right. you can't really go into any East End pub, like they grew up around Brick Lane, sort of Bethnal Green sort of area, which is super trendy now. But you can't really go into any of the old boozers around there without – you know, there being a crazy story about that particular pub. Oh, really? Um, See, this is what I wanted from you, Greg. This is uh, learning all the bloody underground. Yeah, they were they were super. There's there because you lived in London, right? I did a, a short stint over there. Yeah, how long? Were you tell the friends uh, of the show. Like two years. Two years. Not long. That's significant. I did live in the, in those parts. I lived near Brick Lane, but it's, did it's you? all it's heavily gentrified and trendy now. But I lived in like the I don't know what part I was like downtown it? New York kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. And, yeah, it's, you know, there is parallels to the mafia and like British people have a lot of, or Londoners have a lot of pride of their gangster contingent, kind yeah. of the same way New, York, New Yorkers would about yeah. the mafia. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they love hearing stories about it. Yeah. But the craze are interesting because they were celebrities. Like they would, they had right. a bunch of West End nightclubs, which is like the posh end. Yeah. They had a, lot of, a couple of nightclubs there and – all the big celebrities would be there. So they'd be partying with like Frank Sinatra and whoever else was in town at the time. Ah. And they were fully-fledged celebrities. But yeah, they were right. – they ran London and they were sinister dudes. Like they were – one of them, Ronnie, was pretty psycho. Like – Right. Actually, Tom Tom Hardy has played them in a, in a – they made a movie, The Crows. Oh, they're twins. 
That's the movie. Uh, that's them. I don't know that movie's. I don't think that movie gets the best rap, but it's. Yeah. That's that's. Oh, that's another on. one. I was like, wait, is Tom Hardy in this? Because a bit like he's in Snatch. I think is he in Snatch? I don't think so. He's oh, he, he's in Rock and Roller. He's he in has, one of them. He has played both the Craze and he's also played the other probably most famous British criminal. Oh, fuck. Al Capone. <laughs> he oh. plays Al Capone most recently. Uh, he likes a, likes a criminal, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, what's, his, no, what's his name? Oh, Charles Bronson. Hang on. Oh, yeah, Charlie Bronson. Yeah, yeah, Charles Bronson. Yeah. That's not his real name, but that's his. That's his pseudonym. Yeah, he's like the chopper, I guess. Of, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's and played, the movie is uh, suspiciously similar to Chopper. As yeah, because well. it goes all, tries to be all arthousey. Yeah. Charles Salvador. But he's played him in, um, as well, funnily enough. Mm. We digress. Mm. What was I talking about? So, yeah, it's. Lenny McLean, prop, proper badass. Oh, this there's is a, good. This is what I wanted. I wanted there's a to clip, a- um, I don't know if you've got it handy, of some of the actors talking about because they went into this movie knowing who he was. Yeah, right. Because okay. he was such an infamous hard man. Obviously a very clear picture in his mind as who these people are because it's, it seems to be written a lot from experience. You know, he's a great observer and he's observed these people and found a way of kind of translating what he's observed into into characters on the page. A lot of the, the characters that we got in here are infamous and are really known. I'm not really interested in the, the dregs of villainy. I'm interested in, in villains that seem to have some kind of success rate. I buy the villains. Um, and I think people will be hard pushed not to buy them as villains. On, uh, it was a, when Lenny was a doorman at uh, the Camden Pally, and this bloke was just... Drunk, fell through an emergency door. Next thing, he's just picking himself up off his feet. Next thing, you know, he's got Lenny looming over him and just hits, it, hits him once and broke his jaw in four places. I knew Lenny, Lenny McLean from the Camden Palace because when I used to go to the Camden Palace as a kid, you know, Lenny used to be on the door. And for some funny reason, whenever I turned up with my friends, it always used to, we used to, we used to, cause we used to look at, I used to look at him and I'd go, all right, Lenny, how you doing? He'd go, go on, kid. <laughs> he didn't have to pay, go on, kid. He doesn't look that tall. He's 6'3". Oh, wow. So he had a yeah, pretty unfortunate and rapid demise. He thought he had like a cold or something and when he got checked out and there was pleurisy and then it turned out that oh, he... Fuck. Oh, fuck. Actually, he got cancer and it's kind of everywhere. Fuck. So while I'm filming this, he was heaps sick and he didn't even realise it. Yeah, I guess. Fuck. Oh, man. Tough man. He had like two to 3,000 boxing, boxing bouts and God knows how many... Street scraps. He had a couple yeah. of bullet holes because he. Fuck. You th- it is. You reject a, a bad man from a pub and he remembers that. So they sometimes they'd come Fuck. back with a vengeance and shoot him. <laughs> now, obviously, it's not cool that he died, but it is cool that, like, I love the stories of a guy like this that gets to sort of be immortalized and captured on film. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, to be fair, I wouldn't iconic, know who this man. guy was if, I'd, if he didn't exist in this film. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really cool. Um, speaking of cast, should we revisit the Jason Statham theme real quick? Yeah. it's pretty interesting. So you mentioned before, yeah, he was a diver. So I think he went to the Commonwealth Games, is that right? He went to the Commonwealth Games. I'll play a little clip just for the, the obviously for the it's, it's a pretty visual thing, but I just, I like hearing the, the commentary just because it's Jason Statham, it's pretty funny. England's Jason Statham. He's in ninth position. Full head of hair. Forward, two and a half somersault with one twist, 2.8. Far too much forward travel on that dive. On the left, Bevel. 
Far too much forward travel, Jason. A bit of forward travel there, but not a bad splash. <laughs> um, I mean, I couldn't do that. <laughs> no, I, I certainly couldn't. I could do a good pencil, pin dive, pencil dive. What, are they, what do we used to call them? Pin drop. Pin drop. I could do one of those. But I found a really interesting one with Jason Statham. Again, very visual. So it will go on the gram. But I would just like to, I, I would like for you guys to imagine a young Jason Statham, hairless, greased up, um, multiplied on screen. Oh, yeah. Dancing to this song. And Greg will see it. And so Greg will react to this. But this is something. Oh, my God. This might break Instagram. I don't know. This is what something. is happening here? That's <laughs> Where did you find this? By accident, I was Googling Jason Statham before he was famous. <laughs> so he was a model, he was a diver, he did all these things. But I thought it was really interesting because when we introduced to him in this movie, you know, the, the street banter, it's strong and he, he can be quite a monologist. Is that a thing? You see these goods? Never seen daylight, moonlight, Israelite. Fanny by the gaslight. Take a bag. Come on, take a bag. I took a bag home last night. It cost me a lot more than £10, I can tell you. Anyone like jewellery? Look at that one there. Handmade in Italy. Hand stolen in Stepney. It's as long as my arm. I wish it was as long as something else. Well, A, like I said, I forgot. I kind of forgot he was in this movie. Like, I just don't really associate him with this movie. Like, when I think of Jason Statham these days, I think of The Transporter and... and Stallone, The Expendables and yeah. that kind of stuff. He's fully trans... Transitioned into action yeah. superstar, but then you, and which is great. He's doing well, obviously, and he's great in movies like Spy. I don't know if you've seen that one with Jenny McCarthy. I haven't. And he's like the, he's kind of a dumb spy, but he's great. He's legit, probably the MVP of that movie. But then you see this, and it reminded me of well, it didn't remind me. It made me realize, shit, this guy's got this other gear that has not been accessed in a lot of these movies. Yeah, well, he. It's interesting. He's got some. He's got the banter, and he's got this like this this uh, charisma in in the banter. Yeah, there's. He, they could up his dialogue. Definitely. Like this is overselling it, but I couldn't think of another comparison. But in the same way that like Samuel Jackson kind of has his mm. thing, he always does. Mm. Like he can have a thing like that. Not not the same as Samuel Jackson, but why wouldn't you tap into that? Yeah, tap into. I would expect to see a Jason Statham monologue in a lot of movies. Mm. <laughs> Um, and it's not necessarily monologue, but it's just that that gear of charming banter, which yeah. I think they try and do sometimes, but it's maybe obviously they written by an American yeah, or something. Yeah, and they or, just stick to the gruff. Like, and it's just one-liners. Yeah. Whereas the way he's just what looks like riffing on the street in the beginning, yeah. is it's something. There's, there's more than one sentence in that. Yeah. If you, if you listen to it, it goes longer than one second. Yeah, it goes at least two or three seconds, yeah, maybe yeah. four. Yeah. But it is interesting too because then as I was writing those notes, I was like, shit, well, actually you could say the same about Stallone whose career is kind of mirrored in a lot of ways because he shows up as an indie actor basically, mm. <laughs> kind of a what's essentially, yeah, an indie darling. Yeah, that's and an interesting point. And then takes a hard left because I remember I had Rocky on DVD back in the day and I remember on the special features they had all the stuff from the era and it was like press saying, this is the new Al Pacino. Oh. And obviously that didn't happen. He took a hard right and just went, Lap pack. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that he's taken a similar path. Maybe that's why he took him under his wings or a similar. Under his lats. Under his lats. <laughs> <laughs> he has. Um, <laughs> fuck, he's done well though, hasn't he? He's like, done really well. 
if you think back, this movie isn't. It's twenty years. Like I guess it's not a short period of time. Yeah, but it's a. It's not the biggest amount of time to go from a guy with no film ah. prospects into probably the biggest billable action star on the planet today. Well, yeah, it's one of those. It's it's like he he did almost a um almost a Dolph Lundgren, but hit that next level where yeah. the Dolph never got to. Yeah. Like he had this weird life before of doing various things, and then. He could have easily just done a few movies and never like a Vinnie Jones. He could have yeah. done a Vinnie Jones, but he went all the way. He could have just been the most handsome man at his local boozer, <laughs> yeah, still yeah, peddling yeah. fake jewelry. <laughs> exactly. But instead, he's married to Rosie Huntington Wheatley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. It's crazy. And um, I he's was, doing it for the bald man. You know when you? Yeah, he is. He really is. He's Bruce Willis. Is he's a few notches down now. Well, he's an outrageous rig as well. That's the yeah. Bruce Willis is the everyday body. Well, and he's like 50s now and I don't know about you but when I, when you Google the movie to look at the cast and they got all their photos, they all look horrendously old now except for him and Sting. Yeah. <laughs> Sting looks about the same age now as he did then. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because at first. Did you forget Sting is in this movie? There's a scene with a Vinnie Jones and they're talking in a bar. Yeah, talking in a bar. That's a classic Sting song, talking in a bar. Yeah. But um, I remember, so what I was looking at, I Googled them and I looked at all of them and I'm like, shit, they all aged horrendously except for the ones that are a bit more Hollywood. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, the English actors age a lot worse than the American. But then I was like, oh, no, they just age like human beings. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> like, haven't, they're not getting... Um, uh, Costa Rican orphan placenta, uh, placenta, pl- <laughs> um, plasma, but, yeah, plasma injected into their eyeballs, stem cells and shit. There's no stem cells because I didn't recognize any of them when I did an initial Google search and just to see the cast. And I was like, wait, who was that guy? Who was that? I didn't recognize any of them by their face on that screen. Yeah, I like the lead, the the Eddie the Card Sharky. Mm. I didn't recognize him in his IMDb photo. Yeah, they look. Like they've aged like humans, I guess yeah. is the actual answer. They look 20 years older. <laughs> yeah, they look 20 years older. Whereas Jason Statham doesn't look all that different really. I mean, he looks a little bit older, but I wouldn't watch this and go, wow, he looks so young. He looks the same. He looks basically. the same. He's probably in better shape now. Yeah, because he doesn't look that massive or anything. Again, like you wouldn't expect him to go lap pack from this movie. You just yeah. nothing about this should go action star. He does do a backflip in the bar in the drinking scene. Does he? I missed that. Yeah. Well, oh. You know when they have that full boozy session? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Backflip. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> you have. That's a good party trick, isn't it? Yeah, well, if you're, you know, Commonwealth uh, National Diver, you probably yeah. probably got a few flips in your arsenal. Yeah. Speaking of arsenal, soccer, Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones. Football. So He's an interesting one too. He's he had, is. He had, he, had a, he had, I would, would you call it 15 minutes? He had more than 15 minutes. Well, but he's he done 63 movies. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that okay. crazy? But, well, I mean, not in the spotlight, I suppose. Yeah, but he, he's he was red hot for that period. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he's done incredibly well. Yeah. But that period after this he obviously um, followed up with Bulletproof Tony. Bulletproof Tony. And then he did the Mean Machine and. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. And Yeah, yeah. Which is a weird one. The story goes that they want, apparently in the script notes it was like, oh, we want a Vinnie Jones type for this movie. <laughs> Mad. And then they're like, well, why don't we just ask him? He'd, he'd done some sort of miniseries or something. He'd, so he right. had been but he had been in front of the camera. So they asked him and he was bang up for it. So away he went. But he's a, yeah. he was a well-known soccer uh, football yeah. player. Yeah. So he played for plenty of big clubs. 
Mm. Chelsea. Um, he was a bit of a bad boy, I suppose. Yeah, big time. So he was a hard man on the pitch. He, I forget this, he had like, I don't know, there's some funny stats around how many cards he had and that sort of thing. He got in big trouble with the league because he fronted a TV show or some sort of video that was called Football's Hard Men and just basically promoted the violent. Uh. And he got, he got <laughs> hammered for that. And then he was like, well, it's not that bad. I'm violent on the pitch, not off the pitch, sort of referring to all the football hooliganism uh. that was happening at the time. Interesting. I want to see a biopic of Vinnie Jones. Well, he, the, the story goes that the day he was meant to turn up to film his first day on this film, <laughs> yeah, he was in jail. Fuck it up. Yeah, because I saw he got arrested in 98, which was... Yeah, it was an assault and battery or something. Oh, beats, I don't know what the details were, but he'd beaten someone up. Uh. So he, they're like, where is he? Where's our hard man? He's in jail. He has a softer side though, Greg. He does? Yeah. The man can sing. I saw Singer on his name. Have you got a clip? That's the rabbit hole I went down about 10 minutes before you showed up. Um, he's Welsh well, he or he's got a Welsh dad or something. He, he, you know what? He sounds like he could sing but he can't sing, unfortunately. I found a few clips. Oh, if there's no one that's Welsh that can't sing. They sing when they talk. But he's, Sorry, that, he's, that was terrible. <laughs> I apologise. He's, he's got like the capability, but it's like it's never been honed. It's on top of the pops. Well, the south side of Chicago is the baddest part of town. But if you go down there, well, you best beware of the man called Leroy Brown. See what I mean? Like, he's he's like, he could. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Like for karaoke, but not like recording artist. But he's also he was also on the Celebrity X Factor, which I just found out existed. Certainly, Celebrity Big Brother as well. <laughs> yeah, doing the circuit. So this is on X Factor. Now I've had the time of my life <laughs> I've never felt this way before <laughs> Yes, I swear it's the truth And I owe it all to you I don't mind this arrangement of it. It's like a football song now. Yeah, he's probably just scared everyone into. Did you like it? You got two options. You tell me you fucking like it or you fuck off. Or you tell me you fucking like it. <laughs> you tell me you fucking like it or you tell me you fucking like it. That's probably exactly what happened. So speaking of Welshman, because mm-hmm. he was Welshman, did you notice Rob Braden? Yeah. I didn't I never knew his name. So, I haven't watched The Trip. Oh, yeah. Have you been watching the, those movies? You've been watching The Trip. <laughs> <laughs> I um well, have you watched I, those movies? The I trip? have, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I mean I first found him in Gavin and Stacey. Oh, I never watched that. It was great. It's amazing. It's got James Corden, right? Yeah, but he's amazing in it. Yeah, okay. It's before he goes all Hollywood. 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 <laughs> Hollywood. Um, so this technically probably wasn't a Rob Braden cameo. It was a Rob Braden just part. Oh, I was wondering. 
Because he, I'm pretty sure it was Ned and, Ned and Stacey. <laughs> Gavin and Stacey where he finally made his name quite late in life. Right. And he's amazing in that. He plays okay. like the uh, kind of quirky, enthusiastic uncle. Right. Um, but he, I'm pretty sure, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, friends of the show, but my understanding is that's where he sort of made his name. So right. that came early yeah, because initially well, I was like, mid noughties. So yeah. that was, this is a fair bit earlier. Because my notes, I was like, oh, cameo. But then I didn't actually think we about the timing. We will move it for you. <laughs> uh, hey, I suppose we should talk about Guy Ritchie because we've alluded to his track record here. And it's not to say he's not doing well because the man has, in terms of box office, he's delivered with things like Aladdin and whatnot. Oh, yeah. He's apparently worth $150 million or something. Yeah. So he's doing fine. Is that before or after the Madonna? Yeah, did he get half? Yeah, how did, did he lose money or get money? Because surely. I don't know how that works. Because it was the biggest divorce settlement apparently. Oh, was it? Yeah, well, it's oh, one of the biggest in history. Him. Does maybe that mean he got it? Maybe it Because does. surely he, she had more dough than him, right? Yeah, because he wouldn't have to give her half. That would make no sense. Yeah, she's Madonna. That's like Seymour giving me half. <laughs> 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 I get half of his year's supply of kibble. From that commercial he that, did. That you bought. Oh, did he get Oh, he got <laughs> yeah. some free kibble. Yeah, he's in a dog ad. Seymour's a famous person, he by is, the way. He is. Famous dog. Um, but why don't I go through his filmography real quick um, into a little pivot around Matthew Vaughan because it's an interesting contrast. So when you look at um, the filmography of Guy Ritchie and you look at Rotten Tomatoes, there is a the pattern is not dissimilar to an ad, Adam Sandler. Lockstock is number one at 75%. The Gentleman is number two at 75% also. Maybe that's typo. Maybe it was 74. Yeah. Snatch number three at 73%. Sherlock Holmes number four at 69%. The Man from Uncle number five at 67%. Oh, I would have put that higher myself. I think that was pretty good. It's a bit of a – he's doing new things there, which I think was pretty good. Um, Sherlock Holmes two, number six. Rock and Roll number seven. Aladdin, number eight, 57%. King Arthur, number nine, at 30%. Revolver, which I didn't know what it was and looked it up as um, Jason Statham with hair and a moustache, at 15% and swept away with Madonna at 5%. I always get swept away confused with Gigli. Yeah, it's the same with those, that kind of movie. We should do some of those actually. I've never seen either of them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because the guy's got talent, obviously, he maybe had an unconventional career path. Maybe maybe he got promoted too early or something kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Did you watch um, what's the King Arthur one? No, is it good? I stopped it. Yeah, I started okay. it one night and I probably had a couple of drinks and it was just – it felt like he'd just tried to replicate Lockstock too much. It had this – yeah, you know, he, he modernised it a bit, he's right? He's speeding up, slowing yeah. down. And he did that technique. in Aladdin as well. One of my favourite song. You know uh, how I love that song? One jump, had yeah. a long man. Oh, he did the fasty slowy. Yeah, yeah. I think fasty slowy is the technical term. But yeah, 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 yeah. For those at home, he, what he's talking about there is when it goes fast and then it goes slow. He does this, yeah, speed up, slow down. <laughs> fasty slowsies. Fasty slowsies. And I, I didn't like, I didn't appreciate that in Aladdin. I like it in this movie, but it, it feels like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm no Fellini, but I feel like as a director that can't be your, your style. It, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's, it's not a style. It's like a tactic. It's a tactic versus a strategy kind yeah. of thing. I don't know how else to explain yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because if you look at someone, because similar with Tarantino, right? Like 
I I was starting to go sour on him at some point. But then he But then he really like he's grown yeah, yeah. and he's done so much different shit now. Um like you you look at the glorious still- bastards relative to Pulp Fiction. Obviously there's yeah. there's overlap. There's yeah. obviously a consistent thing there. But you're right, it's not an execution that's similar. It's it's a it's a higher level thing that's he was, similar. Yeah. So he was to your to build on what you said, Tarantino was at a tipping point with all that, you know, I think it was Death Proof or something yeah. with the girls in the bar. And I was like, I'm not and the contrived dialogue. And yeah. I was like, uh oh. I was in this exact same boat. I was like, I think I don't like Tarantino anymore. Yeah. And then Inglorious Bastards came and out and went, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. 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 It wasn't in that exact order, but it was. I think Kill Bill was there, and I was still a bit iffy. But Inglorious Bastards got me right back in there. Yeah. Whereas he hasn't really had that. But I mean, he's doing different shit, I suppose. Yeah, but we we're, were talking. He's about, still only what fifty two or something. So yeah, as far as directors go, you can go to your. And he's got it in him because I actually did like the man from Uncle. Did he do that? Yeah. I or did the that. other guy do it? No, he did it. Oh, okay. Which was weird. That's why I thought that was interesting. I thought it was the other guy. Yeah, because the other guy's dad was in oh, The Man from yeah. Uncle, the TV he did show. Kings, the Kingsman's. He did the King. So this is where it gets interesting because if you look at this movie, it's a guy written, directed by Guy Ritchie, produced by a relative unknown at the time named Matthew Vaughan. Now if you look at his career since then, mm. you got Layer Cake, 2004. Which everyone's like, oh, if you like Guy Ritchie or watch Layer Cake. Okay, it's great. Yeah. Stardust, which is okay, but the main character's name's Tristan, which is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kick-Ass, and he's now starting to find his niche a little bit. Yeah. X-Men First Class, which was one of the good X-Men movies. Yeah. There's not many of them. Um, it's one of the good newer ones. It's the only good newer one, I think. Then The Kingsman, which is sort of now his thing, yeah. his baby. And he's married to Claudia Schiffer. So, <laughs> <laughs> Very important point. But it's interesting, like he almost looks like if you forget the names, it almost looks like that should have been the career Guy Ritchie had. Yeah. A little bit. And we were joking before and it was one of those ones where we were like, I should have saved that for the show. But we were joking before about how like while he has done different things, Guy Ritchie, there is a lot of samey-same there with like rock and roller, snatch, lock, stock, um, the gentleman. Yeah. Because when I was making my notes before, I was like, yeah, snatch is pretty good. I guess it's almost like a spiritual sequel to lock, stock. But then you're like, well, if that's a spiritual sequel – What's gentlemen? They, they almost all are. <laughs> yeah, rock and, roll, rock and Roller definitely is. Yeah, and Rock and Roller was supposed to have a sequel too. There's a, there's oh, a yeah, thing at the end. Yeah, he gets in the car with his... Yeah. Maybe but, he will. Maybe, but it's just... Um, I like Guy Ritchie. He's an interesting dude. Yeah. But I... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, he's the kind... I'm rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to have like some sort of comeback. I want him to marry Christy Turlington. That'll be nice, wouldn't it? Is she taken? Yeah, she's no, I think he's, I think he's married now with kids and stuff. Oh, okay. I think he's private about it. I think the post-Madonna thing. That's yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair Apparently enough. Apparently Madonna, when she got connected to the film. She loved the soundtrack she, Yeah, but she liked uh, Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. He's a ladies' man. I'd never seen him before. I watched an interview with him today because I was looking for some overlap here, but it wasn't. But he's he, he seems like a charming fella. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we had a precasty in this. Oh, we did. Um, a very significant precasty in the forty-four inch chest guy. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Winston, who's yeah. sort of um, British gangster actor royalty. Mm. Um, in the Departed as well, he crossed over. He's French, he, or Mr. French, or whatever. Yeah, um, and Beowulf, 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 Beowulf. He's in lots of stuff. He's a West Ham man. Mm. Um, he's a legend. So he was meant to be Hatchet Harry. 
but apparently yeah. had to move on because of conflicting schedules. The thing dragged out for so long. It took a couple yeah. of years, yeah. So he moved on. Um, Sexy Beast was two years later. Have you seen that? I no, I've never saw that. Oh, dude, I remember when that so came good. out. That because there was still films, film student Tristan yeah, there, and I was it's like, amazing. Oh, I must watch that. One. Yeah, ben Kingsley <laughs> is next level in it. Yeah, um, and so's so's Ray Winston. But he, I couldn't find any footage of him saying it. But apparently, he doesn't like this movie. Oh. And he doesn't like Guy Ritchie movies in general because he reckons so his, his take on this movie that it was a couple of toffs talking about um, geezers and gangsters, and that's not their place. Oh, because Vaughn is obviously that is some nobleman, and yeah, I think Guy Ritchie didn't exactly have a hard early in those early years, at least until he was fifteen, <laughs> yeah. seen missing, but. Yeah. Um, but he went to like a you know a public school. He's a huh. couple of public school boys, which is our private schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about oh, being, is that being how that hard. works? I was yeah. wondering what that was because like yeah, public schools uh, are a couple of bloody public school. I was like, wait, isn't that tougher? No, nah, okay. So mm. public school there is like private school. Yeah. Ah. Intro, but he was going to do the movie. So, yeah. Just so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't find enough detail on it, but I thought it was worth. Throwing that is in the interesting. Mix. You know, they say that about a lot of you know, there's a lot of Vietnam War movies. And you know you got Apocalypse Now and whatnot with Coppola, and there's a lot of these movies of all these guys that never even went to war, and the only one, the one that's the most realistic and gets the most. I'm I'm skipping over something that's a lot more complex than this, but um, Oliver Stone with Platoon, Platoon. That's the one where it's like he was there and he did it. You know, not that you have to go to war to make a war movie, but there's something probably doesn't hurt. Yeah. But I mean, there's something that's like a pretentious thing of like this this phony I kind of get where he's coming from. Yeah. There's a phoniness yeah. perhaps that he's picking up on that we're not picking up on because we're not or well, you you live the gangster life over there. Oh, big time, yeah. But uh myself I did not. Big time, so gangster. <laughs> I was you know my reference point was EastEnders. So I had no. dun, 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 dun. Well that did have Ross Kemp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> Ross Kemp on gangs. Oh, that reminds me. I, I'm waiting for Ricky Gervais to make a Guy Ritchie film and reinvent himself. Anyway, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, overall thought, you know, I haven't quite distilled this as much as I would like. I think I've probably touched on a lot of this, but I do love this movie. I do think it's his best movie. It's scrappy but pure. Mm-hmm. We talked about how, you know, maybe it's a bit over-stylized and maybe something like Snatch is technically better. But this, the hustle, the hustle comes through. That's part of the package. Yeah. You feel yeah. it when you watch yeah. it. And maybe if you only ever saw Snatch and you didn't see this, you'd maybe that's a perfect distillation of Guy Ritchie energy. But for me, yeah, this this is it. This is Guy Ritchie doing yeah. all the Guy Ritchie-ness of stuff in, yeah. in, in one potent little package. How about you? Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, you know, it, it brought British gangster films back into the spotlight yeah. as well. There hadn't been any for a long time, I think. Yeah. Um, there was a few football hooligan movies that predated this. ID is a popular one. It's really oh uh, yeah. So I think there was a few of those, but there wasn't 
you know, gangster films. And yeah, then obviously right. off the back of this there was a lot. Yeah. And it kind of introduced the world to that modern Cockney slang as well. Yeah. That, you know, went, it was amazing. So I think for a global um, export this movie is really yeah. significant. Um, I, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's a classic. It is It is now, for me it is now a classic. I was a bit, yeah. a bit unsure. But, yeah, this, this crystallizer, there's no, this actually is a classic for me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Let's just plow through the tests real quick because yeah. they're mostly no's. Did Simpsons do it? No. Porn parody? No. Bechdel test? No. Yeah. FX test? Eh. I mean, There's maybe. FX. Yeah, they, they could have, you know what, they could have used some Molotov, Molotov cocktails here for some oh, explosions. Yeah. Could have done that. Yeah, there was a guy on fire. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's a yes. Um. I didn't really do recasts because it's all about unknowns. It's you can't exactly, recast an yeah. unknown. I didn't do that, and I didn't do six degrees of separation, six degrees of Van Damme. Yeah. But Statham's probably done something. It's probably him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MVP. Uh, man, I, it's hard to pinpoint one. I still thought Vinnie Jones was electric. Yeah. Um, I, I like Dexter Fletcher a lot, the soap chef guy. Yeah. And I really liked Nick the Greek. Yeah, he was good. He's yeah. maybe my low-key VP. I, yeah, my low-key VP, my, oh, I don't know. I really liked um, – they're, they're all basically low-key uh, VPs. Yeah, for a gangster. Yeah, yeah. There's so many good ones. I, I, Jason Fleming, I think I appreciated more this time around. Yeah. Um, Skinny Nick. Yeah. Nick? Is he Nick as well? Oh, no. I, don't, I don't know the names. It's maybe. very hard to – yeah. Very, very hard to remember these names. I thought there was something that's called Cheese. <laughs> Turns out there's no one called Cheese in this film. <laughs> Or any other food. Oh, bacon. There's bacon. There's bacon. Cheese has the strength of ten women, I heard. Ten of ten women. <laughs> Man, that's in there somewhere. I've got to dig a little harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen this film, if you're one of our – because this wasn't huge in the US. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this and you are um, one of our 30%, check it out. It's yeah. A, it's a, a classic if you haven't seen it. Most of you would have seen Snatch, I guess. That was probably the more mainstream one yeah. for you guys. But, yeah, definitely check this out if you haven't. Um, but yeah, and of course, if you've made it this far in the show, hopefully you're enjoying it. We'd love if you could leave a review. I know yeah. sometimes we get to this point of the show and where we're all tuckered out and we have to pee and we go, hey, leave us a review, see you, bye. But if you could leave us a review, it's very helpful for us. Yes. And also if, you, if you're hungry for more content, the YouTube channel, the Pop Critic, it's there. Instagram, it's there. The Facebook, it's there. Bye. Bye. Bye.